0: This is the I read comic books podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin, and with me this week, two wonderful human beings, Brian Murray, hello, and Kara Shamborski. Hi. Thank you both for joining me this week. I'm very excited to talk to the both of you about comic books, and because we just watched the Sonic movie, I just am, I'm still in hype <laughs> mode from that movie. Um, last night we watched it uh, just as like a as a group, and it was fantastic with some other people. Um, but yeah, before we get the show started, I just want to say that you know we everyone at the irie comic books podcast we are devastated by the loss of chadwick bozeman um such a great actor in general i mean he was wonderful as black panther but his performances in other movies such as the five bloods um, and many other things that he's been in have been absolutely incredible and it's a massive loss for the film industry in general of the entire world and i just want to say like how much we are just broken down by this um it's very sad to see that he was struggling with uh, cancer for so long, and yet he put out these brilliant performances as an actor, and I am still just awestruck by the fact that he is no longer with us. So just wanted to mention it on the show this week, a uh, huge loss for the Marvel community as well as just the film industry in general. Um, yeah, uh, but anyways, let's, uh, let's, let's get into the show. Let's, let me ask the questions I ask every single week, which is, how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Brian
1: uh i've been pretty good uh i'm also still kind of riding that sonic the hedgehog high from last <laughs> night mm-hmm. um a shockingly good movie honestly like i thought that i'd go into it and be like "Yeah, it'll just be like a dumb fun movie whatever no i actually really <laughs> enjoyed it yeah Th- there were scenes in that movie that i was losing my mind like i was on
0: mute i was intentionally on mute on were as we were watching it because i was laughing so hard <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh I'm not that considerate, so I just kind of cackled into the group chat.
2: <laughs> Same. And I apologize because I have a high pitched laugh, so that might have been a little piercing at points.
1: <laughs> all good. Speaking of all good, uh I woke up this morning and read Mooncakes from uh Suzanne Walker and Wendy Zhu.
2: Yeah. Uh, nice. uh,
1: Everybody I've, on this show. I have been meaning to read this for so long. Like I i it came up on a, a search I did like I want to say, like, a year ago, two years ago. I don't even know when this book came out anymore. Um, But I was like, oh, that looks super cute. I got to read that. And then I just never did, because that's the kind of guy I am. (laughs) Um, But I I finally read it this morning, and it was every bit as cute as I thought it was going to be. So that is a truly heartwarming read. It's got a cool, like... I like the magic system in it, because they don't try to explain it at all. Right. Like, sometimes, like... You see that a lot in like Harry Potter and stuff where you almost get bogged down in like explanations of like, this is how magic works and you got to wave your wand like this and say these words. And then it was like, ah, it's magic. It it happens Counter- magically.
2: <laughs> Counter Counterpoint, Brian. I am that nerd who read every like magical theory essay online. I could get my hands on about Harry Potter because I was like, yes, tell me more about how the intentionality is how the spells work and the wand is the conduit. <laughs> like I like... I see what you're saying, but like as a Ravenclaw and someone who (laughs) wanted to, you know, I I, I got real nerdy about like that world building um, aspect. And I'll take this opportunity to say I am still struggling to reconcile my lifelong obsession with Harry Potter with J.K. Rowling's recent transphobic comments. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, for sure. That's been adding to everything else this year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) just. Yeah. But yeah, yeah and puts... I definitely
1: like no disrespect to the the built-up magic systems i just like that this book didn't feel the need to do that yeah like, I, I think it's cool when it's done right but i also think that it's important to recognize that it's not necessary for a magic system to be good
2: yeah, yeah. well it's kind of like there... not every superhero film needs to be an origin story
1: right right how am i gonna find out why batman is the
0: way he is <laughs> he he's sad brian um the the thing the thing that i think works the best about mooncakes though is that 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 simplicity of the magic or that like kind of hand waving away of how the magic works in general it makes it so charming it's just like when we need it magic is there for us and that like kind of fills you with a sense of like infinite hope that like don't worry we can handle this together and like that's kind of a a big i think a big part of that book which is why i I really enjoyed it yeah i'm glad you dug it too
1: it's a really good book and i'm definitely going to order a copy for my my niece and nephew (laughs) oh very nice very nice
2: solid choice they can share
1: because i'm not made of money
0: (laughs) (laughs) what about you kira how have you been how have comics been
2: uh like like you said still still kind of reeling about the chadwick boseman news i don't yeah i never never quite know what to do with celebrity deaths because i'm like but i didn't like i didn't actually know the person i knew like their their persona or the characters they played but like it's pretty hard to argue that Chadwick Boseman was anything other than iconic and revolutionary in his role yeah. in black Panther in particular, in terms of cultural impact. So um, that was kind of a, like a tipping point for me where I was like, God damn it, 2020, like when will you let up? Yeah. Um, but uh, on, on more, more later comic based notes. Um, so I have organized my, my personal at home library and now have rediscovered, a bunch of uh comics that I haven't read uh since since my youth and Ooh. um so I decided to dig into the Kara archives for my for something <laughs> oh to re- for something to read this week you know um Is this I, a
0: new comic book series that we're going to be doing on Patreon? Is that what I'm
2: hearing right now? <laughs> the Kara archives Kara revisits the the favorites from her youth. Um uh so when I was growing up I actually read a lot of Fra- Franco-Belgian comics, not realizing they were Franco-Belgian comics because my parents got the English translations. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite series of all time is definitely the Asterix series um, by René Goscinny and Albert Uderzo. And I, I think I've mentioned this series on the show before because it is a great um, all-ages series uh, introduction to the style of french comic books you know they're they're a bit larger in size than american comic books uh both dimension wise on the page and uh page count wise they're usually like 60 pages as opposed to like 20 what is it 22 for floppies mm-hmm. um and creators still generally get about a year to make each book which is very different from the american and hugely different from the japanese manga system so uh, you do get to see sometimes a little more detail in the Franco-Belgian comics than you would see in some other ones, just because the artists have time to not like murder their own hands while making them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So the Asterix series is um kind of like you know that I I would I would actually kind of put this in my category of things that are entertaining but also teach me things like various Archie comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. The for for those of you who are not familiar with this series, uh, in brief, it takes place uh, during the the Roman Empire when Julius Caesar is running the show, and the story, the the adventures that you follow are from these these guys who live in this village in Gaul, which is modern day France, and they're like the holdouts from the Roman occupation. So the 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 recurring theme in the story is usually there's some kind of conflict with the Romans, but since this is in an all ages series, like written for children, but a lot of the humor is definitely there for the adults. Um, oh yeah, is is very much like jovial and slapstick like think more looney tunes where it's like yeah there's there's violence happening but like no one's really getting hurt
0: right there's a massive hammer the size of a boulder bonking on someone's head but they just fall down and they have a big bump on their head now but
2: it's fine uh like every name and like every other page is just like riddled with puns uh the creators were really uh huge nerds in the in the roman thing because they do a lot of puns with like the latin uh that they're using there are actually like um every issue has like some roman legionnaires in their own little panel like just riffing off of each other and there's always at least one speech bubble that is entirely in latin and you like still get that they're joking but you're always kind of like hmm do i need to learn latin (laughs) to understand this?
1: every every child's favorite thing in a comic latin puns
2: (laughs) do i need to learn latin um so, like, in in the book that I read this week, I read Asterix in Switzerland, which is where our main character, Asterix, who's this tiny little guy with a little winged helmet, and his best friend, um, Obelix, who is an obelisk delivery person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and they live in this village where their local druid brews a magic potion that can give them super strength. So they get to go on all of these fun adventures and nothing ever happens to them because they have the magic potion. Is it explained? No. Magic. <laughs> Hell
1: yeah. That's the theme for this episode. Yeah, Right.
2: So so Shut in this up, one magic. so um, this, this comic has the distinction of teaching child Kara what an orgy is
0: because Oh, well, um... <laughs>
2: They they use the word orgy in this book an aggressive number of times but i looked up the definition and they're not using it inaccurately an orgy is defined um as a wild party especially one involving excessive drinking and unrestrained sexual activity and like this this book has all of that except the sexual activity like i think they just kind of leave that to the side and everything's very like food and drink based like in this book the context of the roman orgy is like you're eating way too much you're drinking way too much you're like intentionally leaving the windows closed so the room fogs up the women are putting like green paint on their faces so they look sick and it's just kind of like this whole tableau of the the decadence of um rome and specifically of our our uh, main antagonist in this story um various flavus, <laughs> like, <laughs> like <laughs> various flavors um who's running this orgy because he is in fact uh taking the roman tax dollars and funneling them right into his own coffers and so this this roman like inquisitor essentially shows up and he's like hey dude um where's the money and so Varius Flavus uh poisons this guy and this guy's like hold on hold on hold on i remember there's a village here and they have a really good druid and it's like he's like well he's like well you know whenever caesar's really upset he just rants about this one village and apparently they have a good druid so um so our heroes show up to save this poisoned roman and <laughs> this involves um asterix and Ublix going to switzerland To get an Ada Weiss flower, which is like the one ingredient the druid needs to brew the potion to save this Roman's life. So they go like on a romp into Switzerland and uh, there's a lot of cheese. Uh, There's a lot of melting cheese. There's a lot of like poking fun at Swiss um, stereotypes, like everything's very clean um they like end up hiding out in a bank and the banker like makes them open an account because he's like well you know we don't ask you what you put in your safe you just need to open an account first and if you want to put yourself in there that's fine you're just a number to me um there's a lot of like punctuality jokes and so like i i enjoy this book because we actually have some family friends who are swiss and so uh we visited them a bunch of times so reading this book is just like a, a little little elbow in the side like ah remember Switzerland remember how things are like really nice there (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) so um, let's call it like a little little travelogue so you know hijinks ensues Romans are trying to stop these guys from finding the eight of ice flower there's some jokes about yodeling and how they sound like the the, uh, ill uh, toned bard at home Um, and the thing that I think is the most enjoyable about the Asterix series, not so like you know the the puns are great, the dialogue is witty, but uh, the illustrations are really just so expressive and vibrant. Mm-hmm. And I just remember as a child being completely mesmerized by the exaggerated facial expressions and motions of all the characters, and everyone like looks a little goofy. And you know, I think even if you um were reading this in the in the original French and didn't understand French you could still more or less follow the main themes of what was happening because everything is so expressive so
0: yeah asterisks is I mean the the one volume we read for the book versus book that we did a while back I really really loved like I could definitely see myself in the future, if I had, you know, the space time. for it, you know, in, in, in time and space, you know, um, what are they? Are they even real? Um, but if I had more of them, I would probably grab like all those volumes because there's really not that many volumes or, or collections of this these asterisk books because they've been coming out for so many years, but they only put out one a year, so it's not a lot of, of comics. Um, but they they are they're so funny. Like everything that I've seen is is just hilarious, and like I really love the book that we read. Um, so I'm glad to hear that there's more and it's it's fantastic
2: yeah there's uh with the original creative team there's like just under 30 and then i think they've been they've been making more um recently in the same in the same spirit but uh cannot cannot overstate the brilliance of the original creative team and honestly um i'm just like i i don't have the the brain space to like read anything heavier than like a YA fantasy novel in these days. So this was right. an excellent palate cleanser and I will definitely be, I've got like 10 of these books. And so I'll, I'll be reading more of them. I think.
0: That's exciting. <clears throat> well, in the same vein of, Hey, it's just magic. Um, I sat down and, uh, when I'm not watching Sonic and being frustrated by Jedi Fallen Order, um, I read uh, one piece and because, you know, the, the saga continues, I'm not caught up. So I'm going to continue to read it. I just want to say really quick um, that there was a back issue or back matter piece of one of the chapters that I read recently, where all the way back in like volume 25, some fan sent in some art to the creator um, of One Piece. And it was a, a picture of Zolo, or Zola, who is one of the main characters of the book. And then fast forward to the end of volume, I think it was like 78 or 79. And that same fan who drew that art was the creator of My Hero Academia. And he was like, hey, I can't believe that this person who created fan art is now getting published in Shonen Jump right, up, right next to me, um, which what? I thought was a really nice like like he was very like the way that he wrote it seemed like he was very excited like he's like I can't believe I'm really excited to read this book everyone should go check out my Hair academy and I was just like oh, my heart it's so cool to see these like manga creators um being fans of each other but also to see someone who has been writing a book for 20 years see one of their fans become like a professional mangaka right next right next to them which is really cool um but yeah one piece update I just finished chapter 771 last night getting close to 1000 very close to being just under or just i'm just over 200 chapters away from being caught up i'm so excited but um the book i actually want to talk about today is this book called it's a anthology collection called seven little sons of the dragon this is by ryoko kui who is the creator of delicious and dungeon and apparently this book is like a collection of her work before she did delicious and dungeon from like 2011 to 2015 So it's just seven little one shots and they all kind of have to deal with magic, kind of have to deal with dragons, kind of has to do with like fun little like like fantasy elements in the real world or in feudal Japan or in like a fantasy world. And it's really, really, really good from beginning to end. Every single like little story is is perfect and succinct and none of them are too long. And the thing that I thought was really interesting is that like the stories themselves are kind of dark like they deal with some really really adult mature and very nuanced topics and i think that they're captured and discussed really really well like warring um factions in in an old fantasy town and there's a dragon that settles its nest between where these two warring factions were having all their primary um, conflicts because there's a wall that separates the two countries and there's only this one spot where they could fight and they have to wait and wait and wait for this dragon's nest to hatch its one egg before they can start fighting because otherwise the dragon comes and kills them but if they're not fighting they still need the each other to trade and so through this trade route they become friendly. Um, even though they know that once this dragon leaves, they're going to fight each other. But it comes down to like everyone's rooting for this dragon to leave. And so they're all excited about the dragon leaving so they can go to war. But ultimately the the trade that they were having um, in secret so that the dragon didn't see them um, is what brought them together. And so it was a really interesting story. Um, there's a wonderful story about a, an artist who can draw things and they'll come to life. Um, and it's, yeah, there, there's, I don't want to give it this way because honestly, like, there there are so many really good stories. There's there that I, I just want everybody to sit down and read this really thick collection because it reads like a breeze. Like I read it in one sitting, even though I thought it was gonna take me two or three sittings because of how long it is. Um, but ultimately I think this is gonna be like my go-to manga recommendation for people. I'm like, hey, if you want to read something that isn't just like, oh, I've got to power up to beat this guy, um, this is like a perfect example um of of what manga is capable of and the type of incredible stories that people are telling um in that in that format so highly recommend it um i I will say like all these stories none of them are i wouldn't say they're all perfect but they all read really well Um, i think you know kui's talent is is very very good uh and they i mean if you haven't read uh delicious in dungeon i mean this is a a perfect sampling of her work and because i think throughout the book you can see that she's she's trying different um different art styles and different shading techniques using watercolor or using digital paint or using something different. Uh, And I don't know if she had uh, assistance on these, but like it's, it's a varying book where you can definitely tell it's her style, but she definitely was experimenting through things before she got into an ongoing series. So um, yeah, seven little sons of the dragon. It's it's a great manga anthology all by this one creator. So um, yeah, that's my, my big recommendation. Uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about comic books that are coming out this week. Comic books are dropping on September second, two thousand and twenty. What are you both excited for? Uh, I'm going to jump back to Kara.
2: So remember how I said I don't really have brain capacity and I just want something fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, My Little Pony Transformers number one. <laughs> Apparently, well, the I'm second. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Could you what? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need you to go out on this one a little bit. <laughs>
2: So apparently this is, uh, at least the website I saw said that this was the second printing, which means I'm not the only one who wants dumb entertainment. Uh, So uh, it it looks like, you know, just what it says. It's uh, My Little Pony and the Transformers all in the same book. I don't know if it'll be, you know, quite the lauded collaboration that Transformers G.I. Joe was, but you never know one of the joys of reading idw books is that they just kind of go there and so if you um you know there there are just like idw the publishing company does a lot of uh remixes with their properties they have a lot of franchise stuff that they are magically able to combine together um i think my little pony and transformers were easy enough because they're both hasbro toys yeah um, yeah yeah so um robot uh non-biological sentient alien beings and um magical anthropomorphic ponies <laughs> like what could go wrong so
1: <laughs> yeah i'm reading the description that's in our notes document and i'm gonna have to pick this book up too because this sounds fascinating
2: yeah (laughs) let's read it for the listeners when queen chrysalis casts a spell looking for more changelings she accidentally interferes with a malfunctioning space bridge what's this mean for our favorite fillies there are suddenly (laughs) a bunch of autobots and decepticons in equestria and as the dust settles rarity and rc find themselves teaming up against a hostile decepticon force okay sidebar rarity or just in case our listeners don't have uh familiarity with both these properties so rarity is like the fancy pony she's my favorite her Mm -hmm. the fashionista her thing is generosity but she's it's really just she's very stylish and posh and speaks Mm -hmm. with an affected accent and she's just all about aesthetics and i guess the generosity thing comes in and she's like no i want you to look your best i'm making you a dress you're wearing it which i'm like Mm -hmm. is that generosity or her trying to curate the world around her (laughs) but okay um (laughs) but she's usually pretty fussy so i love her um and then rc is the girl robot if you remember transformers from the 80s she was the pink one and um we don't have to get into the gender politics of the Autobots and the Secepticons, but right. um, th- there have been efforts in the comics in the past five years, I think in particular to make RC an actual interesting character and not just the girl one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, but it's interesting that they would pair up Rarity and RC because um Rarity's not usually considered one of, like, the leader ponies. Like, I would have expected them to be, like, Twilight Sparkle because Twilight Sparkle is, like, the main one, even right. though it's supposed to be, like, a bunch of them. Um, yeah, so obviously this is just, like, a, a, a reason to get these two... <laughs> properties together sure. but like you know of course the space bridge is malfunctioning of course that would be a way for autobots and decepticons to be in equestria which begs the question what's the size difference between the transformers and the ponies like
0: severe like
2: <laughs> just to hear, like is <laughs> so is rarity just gonna like ride on rc's shoulder are the transformers just gonna be inherently um like giant sized clomping around through all the villages are the only safe ponies going to be the pegasi because they can fly. <laughs> like, I just
0: Yeah. I mean, like I'm also worried that there's going to be guns for the first time in Equestria. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: just, like... <laughs> I just, I I get you know, I, I'm not really <laughs> up on all the, all the Transformers comics, although they are delightful when I do read them, um, especially more than meets the eye. But like, you know, Um, I think I'll be cool with this as long as Starscream shows up because I could see Starscream getting like very into the local politics of Equestria trying to manipulate them and everyone just being like well you know every pony is welcome here and he's like what (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm
1: just hung up on like the very thin line that now exists between My Little Pony and Mark Wahlberg
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh well okay brian with that what is your pick for this week
1: <laughs> uh so i'm gonna go in the opposite direction uh my pick is we only find them when they're dead oh it's uh, a new book coming out from uh al ewing and simone de um and it's in a, a far future where humanity is surviving by harvesting the corpses of dead alien gods and i don't like, if that sentence didn't sell you in the book i don't really know what else would
0: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah uh it's 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 about the the main character is is basically trying to be like the first first person to find one of these gods while they're still alive um okay but for now like it's 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 kind of like uh in like nowhere in the guardians of the galaxy movie where they're like living uh... out of this dead celestial's head and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, just like that idea of like, these, these massive space corpses that are full of these, like, rare elements and resources that you can only get there. And it's, like, it's macabre and fascinating in a way that I'm just very interested in. Um, this,
2: it it may, I mean, it makes me think of two things. One, reverse Matrix. Two, um, like, the, the end of the Men in Black movies where they try to, like, pull out and show you that you're your uh expectation of reality might not be what you think it is right and yeah. so this sounds the like galaxy
1: the galaxy is on orion's belt yeah.
2: yeah so like that kind of thing where you're just kind of like what is the universe where are we i don't know if i can deal with that level of existentialism right now brian but it, it sounds like <laughs> this is a good pick
1: i think that part of it too is because i've been playing a lot of the starfinder role-playing game which is ah. kind of a if, if you imagine like a, a D but in space sort of thing and so, like a big part of me is like thinking a lot about weird aliens and like cool concepts for space fantasy.
0: So this certainly hits that, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's Al Ewing, so like uh, it's because uh, he he's the person doing Immortal Hulk, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of that series, so I'm kind of uh, kind of looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, well, I, I just clicked that pre-order button just now as we were talking. So, um, got me, um, <laughs> Uh, but for me this week, I am excited for Inkblot number one. This is written and drawn by Emma Kubert and Rusty Glad. And yes, that is Emma Cubert, third generation Cubert family. Um, the description is this new ongoing series follows a powerful sorceress attempting to correct her greatest mistake, the creation of a magical cat that can travel through time, space and reality. The cat threatens to unravel the fabric of the universe, doesn't care and just won't listen. This is the most absurd description of a book I've I've ever heard. And so therefore, I'm going to be picking it up. Um, <laughs> I, what? I, Why I mean, this? a, ta- a time traveling cat who just don't give a shit. That sounds like the cat that lives in my house. Well, so um, I'm, I'm excited to check it out. I don't know. This could be fun or it could be too goofy to be enjoyable. But I'm going to definitely try this number one and get back to you because, you know, sometimes you just got to you got to go out and, and see what kind of weird things Image is publishing. And this seems like one of those books.
2: Well, I just – my question is, is the cat sentient or is the cat just a cat? Because if the cat is just a cat, why would you give the cat magical powers knowing that (laughs) it is a cat?
0: Well, it is her greatest mistake. So, I mean, we're going to figure out what what actually happened here, I'm sure. But I I don't know if this is – you know, this is ongoing – um, I'd be really curious to know what the ongoing story is going to be if it's just capturing this cat. But um, I'm guessing that there's a bit more to this story than meets the eye. So um, I'm excited to at least check it out. I, I'm just a sucker for, hey, there's some fantasy magic happening and I'll just, I'll just pick it up. So that's me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know all the trouble that my cat can get into and he doesn't do any of that stuff. So <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um well yeah we're gonna i guess we're gonna take
0: a quick break and when we come back we're gonna be talking about our goodreads book of the month as voted on by the wonderful people over at our goodreads group so we'll be back in just a second This week on I Read Comic Books, we are talking about our Goodreads Book of the Month. As voted on by all of the members of our Goodreads group, we are almost to 700 members, if I'm not mistaken. So thank you all to everyone out there who is part of the book club and votes on all these things and helps us pick which books we're going to read in the future. So if you're not already a member, please make sure to go over to Goodreads. Make sure you're posting in some of our threads. Make sure you're keeping an eye out for those polls when they get sent out so you too can participate and suggest books for our next upcoming books in the month. Uh, but this month, for the month of August, we are talking about the Lumberjanes slash Gotham Academy Volume One crossover series, written by China Clugston Flores with illustrations by Rosemary Valero O'Connell, who also did Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up with Me, colors by Whitney Cougar, uh, or, excuse me, Whitney Kogar, and letters by Warren Montgomery. Brian, Kara, what did you guys think of this book? And I guess before we get into it, full spoilers for. This volume, um, if you haven't read it, please press pause, go read it, come back. But Brian, Kara, what did you think of this volume?
2: So when this this crossover f- first came out, um, there it, it was pretty, pretty re- uh, soon into the series of both Gotham Academy and Lumberjanes. Um, both those series came out kind of around the same time, and both were getting hype as being like a more... Um, accessible or all ages comic book, especially Gotham Academy, for being kind of a a window into the Batverse that was not uh, specifically focused on Batman. Like he sh- he shows up, but it's not about him kind of thing. Right, right. Um, and you know, you're following this this group of kids at an elite Gotham private school so if you're a fan of any kind of like school drama and private school drama series Mm -hmm. this was like kind of your thing um and then of course lumberjane's getting a lot of positive press for uh being just like a fun um diverse comic book about these girls who are at camp and um because they're they're all girls they were kind of like allowed to be different kinds of girls like girls are not a monolith we talked about this earlier in the episode of like rc being the girl transformer but that is not representative of the experiences of all young women so right yeah lumberjanes
0: is like a diver is like a totally like it's a it's an array of people
2: yeah yep and um so like i i I do want to say that we are um aware that there has been uh you know lumberjanes is not a totally innocent series in that you know the original creative team was all white which like a lot of people are talking about in light of the whole like Shira thing um there has been some some uh talk about how um boom, maybe didn't handle the series with the greatest finesse in terms of promoting it while also not maybe supporting the creative teams. Um, but we we so we know about all that. But we just um, that like, th- this is, I think, still a series that resonates with a lot of people, um, despite the the drama behind the scenes. And um, so we so we do want to be uh, respectful of all those those different critiques while also just talking about um, this series in its own right, because this this crossover of Lumberjanes Gotham Academy is um, kind of an interesting example of a crossover that, like, maybe worked better if you had already been following both series, um, maybe as opposed to being a jumping on point. Because, like, I would I would consider for crossovers um, that the, it's like one of two audiences. You either have like, the crossover that's made for people who are, like, super nerds about the series already, and they just want to, like, see all of their favorites mixed all together. Or there's the crossover series where maybe you would try to find new audiences. So, it was interesting also to see Lumberjanes and Gotham Academy crossover because Lumberjanes was being published by Boom, and Gotham Academy is, of course, a very DC title. mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... Um, So I went into um, this crossover uh, actually like at the time that it was published, being very excited about it. I had been reading Lumberjanes. I had been reading Gotham Academy. I'd been reading both of them month to month. And so seeing a crossover, I was like, oh yeah, this makes total sense. Um, And now it's like what, five, five years after this got published, something like that. And I reread it and I was like, oh, maybe this could have been done better. Um, And I, and I feel like, uh, yeah, I'm going to stop talking now and let you guys talk because <laughs> yeah. I don't think you guys had my experience of like being into these series um, before reading this crossover. So sure. with with your blank slate of knowledge, what was it like diving right into this crossover?
1: It was a lot to jump, on, <laughs> jump in on. Like I, I did the math and I think that this book introduces about a dozen characters in the first 30 pages. Which, mm-hmm. if you already know those characters, I'm sure is fine. But I, I definitely felt like I was in over my head, and it wasn't until, you know, you know, a, a third to maybe halfway through the book that I really started to understand like the differences between these characters mm-hmm. um, beyond beyond visual style. Because I do think that each each character had a pretty distinct look, totally. Um, which I, I think that that definitely helped, um, but. Uh, so i i knew what each character looked like but i didn't know anything about who they were and why they were doing the things they were doing
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah i
0: i'm kind of in the same boat as brian i was i was a little lost as to like especially once the groups came together like who was on what team <laughs> for oh. for lack of a better te- you know f- phrase like um i i knew that there were i don't know there's a mix of folks and it's it's kind of all over the place and I, I did have a hard time kind of keeping track of things like there was a there's a moment in the book where they they're trying to plan a thing and there was a this really fun scene of of them just going through the steps of how they were going to infiltrate this cabin and um you could see everyone working together but I was like why are, are these people either paired up are they on the same team are they not from from lumberjanes are they not from gotham academy um I, I they were the the groups kind of intermingled and i i felt like some of the writing was was kind of samey in in voice and so i kind of just i got lost in the fray of a lot of this book um but i i mean like and that, that's the thing like part of it is I, I had read a little bit of gotham academy but i couldn't i couldn't tell you anybody's character's name except for maps because what a unique name what a name um but like yeah, I, I, I just couldn't I couldn't follow a lot of the book until about maybe a little over halfway through. And then I was like, OK, I kind of get who these characters are. I kind of understand them. Um, but that was after, you know, I got about 30 pages in and then I started griping about it on the, the group, the group chat <laughs> that we have. Um, and I was like, oh, I just got to read this, got to read this goddamn book. And, um, and, you know, and I got through it and I I wouldn't say that I disliked it, but I definitely was like really overwhelmed um and i at that point um by the time i got to the end of it it was mostly just trying to see how the story was going to wrap up because there was twists and turns and 80s references and i'm like who's this book really written for and i just have a lot of questions in general but my my overall feeling at least to start was that i was just overwhelmed just like brian said
1: yeah and and i i do want to say that i did ultimately enjoy this book like i i have some criticism of it but at the end of the day it was a fun read And I I don't want to come across as purely negative.
2: Sure. Sure. I'm going to do a super brief overview for maybe our listeners who maybe read this a while ago or are just not interested in reading it, but want to hear what we're complaining about. Or for your
1: co-hosts who didn't understand it.
2: (laughs) 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 Okay. So um, the the Lumberjanes are a group of essentially modernized girls – girl scouts who are at like summer camp and their whole vibe is like they're discovering that around their summer camp there are monsters and actual like deities wandering around the woods and so they have like all these goofy adventures relating to all that um gotham academy has like kind of a darker tone you get the sense that the kids are like you know maybe in um i think they're in high school um, it is Gotham, so there is just like people make jokes about how it's like never sunny in Gotham. It's just gloomy all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Gotham Academy has more of like a mystery vibe in like a darker way than the Lumberjanes is like. A, let's let's discover what's in these woods. Um, and Gotham Academy has like their their main character um, Olive is um like she's got something weird going on the first couple volumes and you don't know what it is and like batman does get involved at one point and you see like kind of a hint of her dark secret in this <gasps> crossover where it's like if you hadn't been reading the book you would just be like what the fuck is happening right now <laughs> so um and so for-, for me right i, so- I definitely did
1: so- not pick up any dark secrets <laughs> yeah okay. yeah
2: so so Lumberjanes Gotham Academy is uh, basically a vehicle for them to be in the same adventure. So it starts with a beloved teacher at Gotham Academy going missing and our our Gotham Academy kids who have formed their own like detective club and that's their shtick decide that like, screw the cops. We're going to investigate this ourselves. Mm -hmm. So they break into their teacher's office and find a weird ass birthday invite on her floor that says, well, I come to my birthday Friday the 13th, 1986. And they're like, what the fuck? So they, of course, as, as any youth would steal the keys to this missing teacher's car and then drive her car up to this cabin in the woods. That is the Mm -hmm. address on this birthday card. And simultaneously the leader of the lumberjane scout camp has also gone missing. And so the girls and their scout leader um, go to investigate. And so the groups collide and they decide to work together to figure out what's going on at this weird ass hotel um, that is apparently stuck in the 80s, but also inhabited by wraiths. So um, so what was interesting for me kind of going into this after not having read the series, neither series in a while, um, was that, like, you're right, it's kind of a cluttered situation because I thought the plot and the mystery were actually pretty solid, but it was hard to get that because you're so busy just being like, oh my God, look, all my favorite characters in one place, except if you don't know them. How will you know if they're your favorite character? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I totally yeah. get that. Um, I gotta I mean, tell you guys, um, super quick. Um, I so I read I, I read this before going to bed last night, and I could not sleep <laughs> because I was just fixated on this thought that I hadn't thought of before, which is, wait a minute, Gotham Academy is a school. And Lumberjanes is a summer camp. Mm -hmm. How are they both at school and summer camp at the same time? In October. So, um you know with this birthday invite they say friday the 13th 1986 and so uh i googled what friday the 13th was in 1986 and it was in fact june 13th and i was like okay i am willing to stretch my disbelief to say that gotham academy is in school later than most schools and the lumberjanes girls are already at summer camp yeah yeah like what but also, great attention to detail if the creators like looked at a calendar and were like, how do we make this even vaguely plausible?
1: Mm-hmm. More likely, they probably said uh, uh, it was the 13th, and they are like, ah, oh, shit, somebody's gonna Google that. We gotta make sure that this is actually accurate. <laughs> yes. I Googled
2: yeah. it, creative team. I Googled yeah. it. <laughs> <clears throat> But yeah, I think you
0: know to your point, Kira, I the 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 story of this book I think is pretty interesting. I like the idea of like the infinite birthday, and uh, you know everyone everyone comes together to save the day and do the right thing. And there's not a lot of like violence happening to humans, which is maybe a weird way to describe that. Like these wraiths exist in this house, and they're they're there to protect this girl who's got this infinite birthday. Um, and I like I didn't dislike the story, but I felt like there was just a lot of story to build up to what I think is a pretty straightforward solve for a mystery team. Um, and I, I looked this up, you know, as I was reading it and when you, when you're reading the graphic novel, it's just like a continuous story, but in, I think this was published as single issues, So this was a six yep. issue series um, that in my mind could have maybe been five, maybe could have been four. Um, and I know that maybe would have sped things up and made it even more cluttered. But I also felt like there was a lot of extra stuff. Like the the kids getting into the house takes a really long time. And then people are scattered all over the house. And it's like, you have to attend this party except for people are sneaking away and they're doing whatever they want. And um, I was I was really, I don't know, this is me just being an adult who's, you know, it's like, I only want to read gritty comic books. Um, <laughs> but like I, I was looking for some sort of rules. To a certain extent, like I wanted there to be like a a box that existed that they, they had to play in and then they found ways out of the box, right? Because it seemed like these enforcer demons were like, okay, you have to come and attend this party and do this thing. But then as soon as they got there, they were just like, yeah screw this and then they would just walk away and go do something themselves and plan and and prod and it seemed like these wraiths were everywhere except for when the story needed them to not be there um which is where i'm just like why am i tearing apart a children's book like (laughs) ultimately this whole thing is it felt like wholesome and unclunky and everything was smooth and well oiled and like there was no character growth there was no like care i mean with the exception of louise who has to learn that the you know that she made everybody feel bad and she needed to get over it but um but the 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 story of like the the teams themselves like i i wanted there to be like some sort of like rivalry or some sort of un unease between the two groups of like one person not wanting to do anything with this other group because they didn't trust them or something and then learning trust along the way like i wanted some sort of character story in this and instead it was just like throw these toys into the box and make them play together and everything's perfect so um, yeah maybe that's just me
1: I'll say that's that's funny because I would have absolutely hated that if there had been like really team conflict like that because it's just it's been done so many times and I, I feel like a lot of the times there's no reason for these characters to distrust each other other than we don't know each other Sure, and so I I do I do like the occasional story where people meet and don't assume the other has a nefarious agenda. Okay, um, and I and I do think that you're right. That is much more like a a young adult or a kid's story trope. Um, but I I'm mostly just sick of like characters conflicting with each other just because the story wants them to conflict with each other, and mm-hmm. just kind of like.
2: But Brian, conflict for no reason is the hallmark of any good CW show. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. Maybe, maybe, and maybe that's why I'm so sensitive to it because I watch all of that garbage. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I've been um, watching Supergirl for like five seasons now. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so for me revisiting this crossover, I just felt myself kind of, like picking stuff apart i think more than i did when i first read it i think when i first read it i was like oh my god these two groups are together and this time i was like wait (laughs) how old is everybody um like because i i i think gotham academy i'm like okay they're like young high school and then lumberjanes i think i also assumed they were young high school or like maybe late middle school and I thought their camp counselor Jen was in college, but she says very specifically in this crossover that she's in high school. So I was like, "Wait, why are you the grown up? How little are these lumberjanes?" And then how can they be at a high schooler's birthday party? Like at, when you're when you're in high school and middle school, even one year can still feel like a huge age difference, right? So I. I, felt-
0: I, I- I took it as like she was a senior like in my mind she was a senior going to college the next year and this was like her last summer at camp um, at least that uh, in, if I had to like put a story behind it because I get I don't know much about the lumberjanes and the other the other kids I think were ranging between like freshman sophomore age so that kind of puts you at the like 15 16 range maybe you look a little bit young but you could pass for 16 year old. Mm-hmm. Um and so I, that's how I kind of worked it out in my head, at least. And then the Gotham Academy of Kids, I just figured are all evenly born on the same day. They're all 16.
2: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah. So, so I want to go back to something I think Mike said earlier about just like the, the mystery being kind of neat and solved. Mm-hmm. Um, so I. I I want I want to rebel against that simplicity because um, and I don't, we did not come into this episode meaning to do this but today's episode theme is really magic without rules <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, uh, because the the spoilers but uh, you knew that already the solution to this mystery is that this this girl has stayed sixteen for like thirty years because her parents cast a spell to keep her feelings from being hurt and there are Mm -hmm. no details about this whatsoever and i understand that magic exists in both the lumberjanes universe and the dc universe but i'm like Mm -hmm. this is a powerful ass spell do you think for one second that zatanna wouldn't like go up and investigate like a surge of magic that powerful happening this is a 30 year long spell that prevents you from dying essentially like whoa this could you
0: imagine john constantine and zatanna showing up in this book and just being like (laughs) smoking cigarettes and like wearing leotards and jumping around like that's it's too much but i would have loved it it. now all i can imagine
1: is constantine and a leotard jumping around (laughs) (laughs) like still with the big coat on just a leotard Uh uh-huh
2: like, I understand that this is a, a fun, like, f- essentially throwaway story to just be like, look, your favorite toys are all together in the box, like you said, but this has serious implications for both universes, I gotta yeah. say. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and this is why I like the, 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 like reveal of what was actually going on because I was like for a fun and wholesome, like Scooby-Doo level, like mystery. um, Things get real dark, real fast at the end. And I was seriously worried about how this story was going to resolve itself because when the spell is broken, I was like, shit, is she going to age 30 years and have just lost all of that time? Or like how long have some of these people been at this birthday party? Like, are they going to go back and live their normal lives? Like when did they get abducted? Because part of that wasn't clear to me. Mm. so because like if she's been living this day for 30 years it's not like she's been alone for 30 years right like i would assume that she's having the same birthday party and it's it doesn't happen the way that she wants every single day it was she alone for like 29 of those 30 years and then people started going missing or was there something else that that was like the the question that i was left with in this even though they they resolve it in what i think is a pretty positive way
2: well and then she talks about you know her her parents dying and her like not really fully coming to terms with that because she was in this spell that they cast that essentially trapped her in the same day forever not not Mm -hmm. like that's a relatable feeling for any of us right now but um (laughs) she's like her parents died and it didn't really register with her and i'm like this is so sad you guys like i don't think they meant for this crossover to be dark and tragic i think they were going for more of a scooby-doo vibe like you said but oh my god
1: yeah, yeah, um, and I, I like the the theme of like having to reckon with the shitty things you did as a teenager, because that's ultimately like what's happening here is like all of this was started because her friends thought it would be like a fun joke to play in the Mean Girl to RSVP to her birthday party and then not show up, and like I like that that is both shown as a a. Not, not a good thing to do, but an understandable thing to do. Like they, they show like what a jerk she was being to them before this. But at the same time, it's also like, you know, even if you think you're in the right, your actions can still have consequences. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that it's a pretty universal experience to have done some things in your teen years that you do not look back on proudly. <laughs> <laughs> right. And So this is kind of a, a cool opportunity to show like, to show that, coming coming back around and almost giving these people like a second chance to be a better person than they were as a teenager
0: Mm
2: -hmm. i'm trying to think of how how this book could have been done better um just like as a as a thought exercise because like the plot i think was actually pretty interesting but i agree with mike it took too long to get there there was a lot of side stuff there's so many characters it's very confusing so like i'm looking at this this asterisk comic i read and like the asterisk adventures are usually standalone stories and how they they work with that is the first page is always an intro page where there's little blurbs about each main character so you know right away like who's who So I think, and and they do that at the beginning of a lot of the Sailor Moon manga volumes too. Like once Mm -hmm. they start, once they have more than like four scouts, they're like, here is your like, here's a list of the 10 characters and like a brief line about them. And I think this book, because there are so many characters, um, especially if this is a book that was meant to introduce fans of one series to the other series, would have hugely benefited from like a summary page with like a one line biography about each of the characters up to that point, and maybe even a blurb about the series itself. Because um, going into this without <laughs> knowing anything about both series, um, I agree would be a weird and frustrating experience. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, and...
0: it... go ahead, Brian.
1: Uh, I was just gonna say, I I honestly think that the best way you could improve it would be to make it not a crossover. Like this, this could have worked just as a Lumberjanes story, or just as a Gotham Academy story. Yeah, and I think you could have you could have told the same story and just not had to deal with the stuff that Mike and I are struggling with.
0: <laughs> I mean, or I mean, you could have they could have slimmed down the cast, right? Like three folks from Lumberjanes, three folks from Gotham Academy. I, again, and I don't. I mean. I don't know how these teams work. I don't know enough about them. Like, could you say, like, let's do a Fantastic Four and Avengers crossover, and it's only like Captain America and Iron Man and then, you know, the thing and uh, and Sue Storm. Like, could you do that? I mean, probably. I'd read the fuck out of that book, right? But <laughs> but I don't know if you could do that with these books because I think their team dynamics is what make them interesting. But it's, it's just unfortunate because I think that those team dynamics aren't shown completely because the teams immediately split up and they're like, all right, you three go here and you three go here and you three go here. Um, so we don't get to see them work together. Instead, we see them like interacting with other people, which I think for fans of both of the books is pretty cool. But for someone not who doesn't know much about it, it was just like, okay, I guess like these are the tacticians and here's some other people. And I, I don't know how to categorize any of this. And, and maybe that's not the point. Maybe it's just, I don't know I'm overanalyzing this book but I just wanted to like I just felt like I didn't yeah I know I just didn't know any of the characters and so I just yeah like I think a little blurbs about who they were and like what makes them their character themselves is would have been super helpful just to go into this rather than just going into it blind
2: I'm thinking about uh, crossovers that worked better and your argument that fewer characters would make it more manageable resonates if you consider Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Cause, <laughs> <laughs> cause then there are five of them and that is much more manageable than twelve or thirteen. Sure.
1: Yeah, sure. if it had characters. been the the entire bat family of the Ninja Turtles, that might have been more of a struggle. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: Although um, Casey Jones and uh the Red Hood. I think that there's there's something there. Oh, that's scary.
2: No, Casey would knock Jason over the head so fast you'd just be like, you idiot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it would just be a Casey Jones versus the Red Hood. That's what it would have been. Um Yeah. (laughs) But I mean like I think like we said, you know, like there's the the story in this, I think, is there. It's just it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff to get through in order to like finally get into like the story itself. Um and I don't think that makes it a bad comic book. I just don't necessarily think it was for me because, like, I I really enjoyed like the art of, in this book, like from beginning to end. I I, I mean, R- Rosemary Valero O'Connell's art is fantastic. The one thing that I would say that I I didn't enjoy was how thick of the how thick the inks were and how thick the line work was. Um, it felt a little too much like throughout the entire book and i don't know if she was going for a specific style to match gotham academy or to match lumberjanes um but it felt to me like it it, given given the work that i've seen from her since then like maybe this was just an early thing or she was going for a style as directed by like boom or something to match up with um lumberjanes but it just it didn't didn't work for me in that in that regard but i thought like overall the art was really good like i could i didn't lose any of the characters um with rare exception and i couldn't even tell you who i lost because people just look alike um like the whole simon kyle thing or simon colton i don't remember who the fuck was swapping boy ones (laughs) yeah whoever the boys had to get
1: swapped because she thought that one of the boys was her the guy that yeah, she liked she, from school she thought that kyle was simon and yeah. kyle looking like simon was kind of a, a plot point in itself so yeah, yeah. that's understandable that one was um, a stretch
2: I, I i had trouble following that one and i yeah it was like well the spell makes it so that this boy looks like the crush boy because she wants it to be the crush boy and i'm like is that how
0: yeah i mean and again and this is where like some of some stuff breaks down because i think visually there was even uncertainty as to when we were in louise's vision versus the real light real world because louise was seeing the world like differently she wasn't seeing these wraith monsters she was seeing these like camp counselor people helping people out of the room and you would see like oh someone getting dragged away and then the next panel would be them like getting escorted peacefully out of the room um i wish that they had done something a little bit better to distinct distinguish when those moments were happening and i honestly think they could have used that a little bit more to like fool us um if they were not going to distinguish it but um yeah, and I, like, I, I just I don't know. But overall like I liked the art it's just like there were some some moments where I was just like that is a really thick line just around someone's whole head. Um uh, that well, just I, wasn't for me.
2: I think the struggle was finding an art style that would work for both series because Gotham Academy the art style is I think a little closer to fence. Um and Lumberchains mm-hmm. is more like Mm, adventure say, time I was gonna say adventure <laughs> time or raw doll. like it's definitely more like cartoony the characters look more wiggly and flexible um so I so I do think that this particular art style worked as like a, a fairly decent halfway point between the two aesthetics oh sure uh, but it did like you said make it difficult to distinguish between the two different squads more or less especially because there was that one scene where they were like okay gotham academy friends let's gear you up so you can go out into the woods and then they're all just wearing the same clothes and you're like "Uh, (laughs) ah i know it's not as as smart but keep the uniforms so we know and then when Mm -hmm. they get to this this hotel everyone is like forced to change into these like 80s party dresses anyway so then unless you know the series you are really lost um and so i'm again thinking of ways to make this clearer for Uh, if, if this was supposed to be a jumping on point for new readers like the dance scene there could have been like one of those setups you see in comics where there's like the little like little markers above everybody saying who's who and making it just kind of like aware that this is a lot to handle and let's keep track of people moving through the party
0: yeah yeah i think something like that would have been super useful um but i mean i don't know i i i don't know if i'm happy or sad that i read this book like i definitely liked some bits of it but i don't think that i would um probably recommend this to someone unless you are really into both gotham academy and lumberjanes which is unfortunate because that's you know a little bit of reading to get you up to speed just for a single crossover event which uh hey welcome to comic books
2: (laughs) well you know that's why i think it's it's interesting to talk about because uh, we we very often talk about books that we are overwhelmingly enthusiastic about, and uh, not all books are going to be like that for everybody. So uh, taking the time to find um, the, the ways to explain why you liked something or thought it could have been better or didn't like something, I think is all still a valuable part of reading and uh, considering comic books. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I guess uh, any. I mean, I've I've kind of had my my say about my final thoughts on this. Do you guys have any any final thoughts about Lumberjanes and Gotham Academy?
1: No, I mean, I I, I, en- I enjoyed the experience of reading it. Um, like you said, Mike, it's it's a it's a big struggle if you're not already in those those fandoms. But at, at the end of the day, like it, you know, only only took me like an hour to read. It was. If, if you're not familiar with the the source material, it is still kind of a fun popcorny read.
2: Sure, it's where I all came those down. 80s vibes. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. What about you, Kara?
2: Um, re- revisiting it, I I liked it, but I surprised myself. Like maybe there wasn't character development for the characters, but I had some character development <laughs> while reading this because. Um, I found myself thinking there were too many words. And you guys know, usually I only pay attention to the words of the art as an afterthought. I was like, there is too much dialogue happening for teenagers on a mystery situation. Mm -hmm. Like I I felt like there should have been uh, more trust in the artist to convey the action. And I felt like a lot of the scenes veered too closely to constant exposition for me to really feel like I was watching an organic story. It felt very much like we have created this story and we're going to make it work. Damn it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can, I can definitely see that. I mean, we're, we, we didn't completely touch on it, but so I don't want to reopen a can of worms here, but there was a lot of forced dialogue, I think in order to explain like, complex emotional growth for characters (laughs) like like there was big conversations between people who had to like you know specifically Louise at the end who had to like explain her entire her entire thought process and then the you know lumberjanes and the gotham academians having to then accept her for that and also justify why it was okay that she did this pretty bad thing and that like ultimately it's all about her actions and choices and eventually if you come to realize and apologize and blah blah you can grow up and learn from your experience but um i don't know how you convey that with art so,
2: <laughs> so i guess what we're saying is this was an unexpectedly like uh unexpectedly more 80s than previously thought because it is an after school special we yes. read it an after school special yes
0: yes what a perfect way to describe this book <laughs>
2: uh, well genius, i guess i think it could have been executed better
0: <laughs> sure exactly um well yeah, I guess thank you guys for reading this book and, and you know coming through the Goodreads, you know, book of the month process with us and everything. Uh, you can follow us all on Twitter, you can follow Kara at Kara SAM, you can follow Brian at Brian Head. and you can follow me at Mike Rappin and the show at IRCB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram.
2: This show and our many subscriber-only episodes, perhaps a Kara archive in the future, are powered by <laughs> fans like you on Patreon. Join us now at patreon.com slash ircb podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show Five Stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: You can also join us on our Discord at ircbpodcast.com forward slash Discord, and uh, make sure to tell a friend or two about the show infinity shred is the best band in the universe
0: they do all of our music we love them to death xander is our editor he's a great guy great gm and just someone who's really fun to talk to about video games and life and the universe i want to say thank you to brian and Kara for being on this episode thank you to everyone who listens to the show and hangs out with us online and talks with us uh, on discord and twitter and everywhere else on the internet and until next time comics are good and so are you